Three boys of his own, sweetie. This is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. Why are we listening to the Brady Bunch, sweetie? Because we're going to talk about those crazy cats. He met this fellow. All right. Enough of that. That was some pretty good tunage there. Do you hear those trumpets coming? Yeah. <laughs> that was like the heightened version of the well, opening I've theme. been doing a little Brady Bunch research, so I'll share that with you. But okay. um, the reason that you have two different versions is the first season, uh, it was professionals. And then second season, they mixed it up and let the kids do it. Which I think anybody who watched knew that, right? Because do you remember? I remember the first season, The Voices. It right. was like a bunch of men. Right. And then... After you, after which one you like better, the kids or the professionals? Kids, of course. Um, so we're gonna talk first of all, opening the show. This is episode number 324. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio because you'll feel outstanding, and who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto is it, which is the best predictor of a child's well being is a parent's self understanding. On today's show, we're gonna answer a listener's question, which is really good that sweetie has not yet heard. No, I didn't know we were doing that. Tony Robbins was on Oprah yesterday, and you had some takeaways. Actually, we both did, but you wrote some things down. I'm uh-huh. too lazy to write notes. I just hope I remember. Never works. You cross your fingers. And then lastly, or no, actually, firstly, we're going to talk about the Brady Bunch. But the reason we're going to talk about the Brady Bunch was your idea. But these are the topics of our last four or five shows. Okay. Pretty heavy. <laughs> okay. So we're trying to balance out the heaviness with some lightness. Are you with me? I'm, You're I'm giving right me a here. weird look right now. No, the reason I wanted to talk about the Brady Bunch is because the other night you and I were watching TV and I was having a glass of wine. Carol Brady never had a glass of wine. Sure she did. And something came up. What were we, I can't remember, but I just looked at you and I said, we should just talk about the Brady Bunch on the show. I love it. I was in a light mood. Yeah. And here's, here's our last few t- podcast titles. Give Up Control. Uh-huh. Words and Images Matter. Uh-huh. Keep peace inside to keep peace outside. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And finally, privilege and compassion. Awesome. Awesome topics, all kind of heavy. So I'm trying to keep so. it light. So I have some um, some audio clips of the Brady Bunch. Look, Can't we be heavy and light at the same time? I think we are heavy and light at the same time. But Must sometimes we, we err on the side, not err. I think sometimes we're on the heavier side. And I think this time we're going to be on the light side. Okay. Honey, come on. That's Mike. I'm ugly, ugly, ugly. Marsha. Is that Marsha? She got those braces. <laughs> she just didn't like them. She's mad. And when she would cry and get all upset and then show her braces, it, it was tough. And I think every Brady kid had braces at some point, didn't they? Maybe I don't not, know. Oh, yeah, Bobby, too. Bobby had them. Maybe not Peter. Cindy didn't have them. Cindy didn't. Quick story about Cindy is they started bleaching her hair to make her cuter. This gives you an idea of what it's like to be an actress, a child female actress in the late 60s, early 70s. Her hair started falling out. So they stopped. (laughs) You think? She was like, how old? I don't know. She's like six. You know what? Cindy did have braces in some of the Oliver episodes. Do you remember? Am I the only one that likes Oliver? Yes. I liked Oliver. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You dingling. You dang a Who is that? Uh, that was Peter. I think that was Greg. No, we'll play it again. <laughs> you dang a That's Greg. Oh, it's Greg. It's it, Greg. you got to give me context. I have no context. This okay. is, I don't know the answers to these things. So, um, oh, I didn't pull up my clips, though. So why don't you start talking and maybe I can okay, find them. Okay, well, before we talk about these children, these 
Brady children, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Brady parents because there's some things that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, I think Todd and I, like in our second year or third year of doing the show, we had some talks about the Bradys. This isn't the first time, mm-hmm. you know, because you need more than one Brady episode. Right. Come on. Yeah. You know, we all grew up with this and it's still around. Our children have seen every episode. Not only have our children seen every episode, but we've also watched um, the Brady girls get married and it's a very Brady Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very Brady Christmas. It's awful. Is so awful that it's so good. Yes, exactly. And, and there is a scene. I we probably have talked about this on the show before, have we not? With the pajamas. The pajamas. Peter's wearing like. Peter's wearing a nightgown. Yeah. Bobby's in a cool, normal pajamas. Yeah, and Peter's wearing a nightgown. And they kind of match the two of them, but, but they're like grown men. And they never mention it on the show. Maybe which men is used makes, to wear nightgowns. No, no, no. <laughs> I think maybe like in the 1800s. We got to find a picture of that and put in it in the 1800s. show notes. <laughs> maybe a few more men since then have worn nightgowns. I've never heard of a man wearing a nightgown. It's it's just so blatantly like makes you go. It's, it's just so like there. Kind of reminds me of like an old Christmas story thing. Well, maybe he's trying to be like Ebenezer Scrooge or something was like that. Was he wearing a nightgown? Yes, and a nightcap. There you go. That's who I was thinking of. Well, that was b- a little before the 1800s. Oh, really? Or not before, after. I don't know. Okay, so let's just talk about the parents for a second. So Todd and I have talked about how Mike and Carol actually teach phenomenal lessons, and they're actually really lovely parents in many ways that are very obvious, but also not so obvious. Like some of their their choices are really out of the box. Right. But I want to say first that it's just interesting, the whole premise of this show, because really what happens is Mike's wife dies. Yes. And what happens to Carol's husband? It's funny you say that, because through my research yesterday, they never mentioned it. So she was either divorced, Mm -hmm. or which at that time Mm -hmm. was not normal. Correct. Was not typical. Yep. Where now that's more common. You meet people, you have friends, you know, but that was not as common. So, and it's never commented on. And how they blend as a family and these children accept the other parent as the parent and start calling them mom and dad. With the exception of one clip I was going to play, but it might take me too long. Bobby runs away in the first season. Remember when Bobby wants to run away? Because Yes, I do. Because it's some Dear Abby thing, and he thinks that she's- That is the second episode. She's the stepmom, and that she doesn't love him or something like that. So he's like, I'm out of here. And it's going to take me too long to bring up the clip. But what happens in that episode, because, you know, as parents in 2016, we would probably tell this little boy, that's ridiculous, that's your mom, you're you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Instead, what do they do? Do you remember? Mm Mm-mm. Mike goes up and talks to Bobby, and Bobby says, I should pull it up. It might take me a little bit. Are you, you going to be patient with me? We can we can modify it. So Bobby's about to run away. He's got the suitcase on his bed. Mike comes upstairs and has a talk with Bobby. Hi, Bobby. Oh, hi, Dad. Am I interrupting something? In a way, before you got back, I wanted to be gone. Gone? You going somewhere, are you? Well, yeah. I'm kind of running away. I see. Why? 
lots of reasons. So stop there. He didn't say, that's ridiculous, you're not running away. He's asking questions. Yeah, and he's staying calm. And he's chilling out. He's you're like, right. he's completely calm and he's respecting him yep. as a human being. There's no like, enough of this, I don't have time for this, I need to text people. Well, you know, Mike wasn't doing that. <laughs> right. I'm just trying to bring it into everyday right. language. He's not he's like... He's completely present with his completely son. He's completely and respectful. Yes. I tell you, it's getting late and I better be going. Don't you like it here anymore? No, sir. Not as much as I used to. Well, don't worry about it. You know, when a person isn't happy where he is, he has every right to look for a place where he can be happier. You know what beats me is how very wrong we were. We all love you. We thought you loved us, too. Oh, I do. It's just... Well, I better be going. Here, I'll uh, give you a hand. You gonna let me go? Yeah. Well, if that's what you really want, you will write, of course, and uh, keep in touch, won't you? Sure. As soon as I know where I'll be. So, lets him go downstairs. Sure, and not only that, but he carries a suitcase. Carry, yeah, he's assisting him. And But here's the thing. This is a very important moment because he's not making fun of him. Now, it's funny because you're watching the video. I'm only listening. Yeah. You start to hear some laughter, the canned laughter. Yeah. They're not laughing at Bobby. They are actually laughing at the calmness of Mike. Right. Do you know what I yeah, mean? That exactly. he can stay calm because Bobby is is shocked. You know, like, oh, I can do this? And mm-hmm. he, I mean, what a speech, you know? A, a man has a right to be in a place that makes him happy. Yeah. You know, these are, um, and but then he lets him know, we love you. We thought you loved us. Oh, I do, I do, I do. And he also, he's about to tell him why he's running away, and Mike doesn't press. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But he doesn't say, wait, 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 you were about to tell me. Right. He's like, okay, I'll stop where you stop. What about money? I got $9.86. Well. A lot of famous men have started out with less than that. <laughs> of course, you'll uh, get more when you go to work. Work? Yeah. Well, you're not going to keep running all the time. You're going to have to stop and go to work. There's some life lessons there. Sure, Father sure, sure. Father to sure. son. Sure. What can you do, Bob? Well, I can finger paint and glue things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess with that kind of experience, you can uh, find an opening someplace. <laughs> Lots of luck. I thought you'd be mad. Why? Listen, you wouldn't want me to stay around if I didn't want to, would you? You have to. You're the father. That's very true. But I don't want any son of mine staying when he doesn't want to. You have to. You're the father. How often do I get mad at when I hear of fathers leaving their kids? I know. And it's not that moms never leave. Yeah. But it's almost always the dads. Yeah. And well, there's a lot more single moms than... Yeah, and I don't know. That's just the uh, toxic, unhealthy masculinity. But I don't want to go off on that tangent. Well, now. it's that plus a lot of other layers that yeah. results in that. Exactly. So now Mrs. Brady's at the bottom of the staircase with her <gasps> suitcase... That's right, she's going to run away too. With her suitcase in hand. 
Yes, good Carol. Mom. I heard you were leaving. Yeah. Well, why don't you let me take the big suitcase and you can carry mine. Where are you going? Well, I'm not going to let you go away alone. That's a big world out there. I'm going with you. What about the other kids? You going to leave them? Well, your father can take care of them for a while. Unless you don't want me to go with you. Oh, Mom, would you really go with me? <laughs> really, Bobby. Nobody said goodbye to me or anything. And I didn't think anybody cared. Oh, sweetheart, everybody cares. And I'll bet you your baseball card you can't guess who cares the most. You? Even though I'm only a step? Listen, mm. the only steps in this house are those. The ones that lead up to your bedroom. So how about marching right back up there? Hey, Dad! Mom and me are back home again! <laughs> Isn't that nice how everything figures itself out? It is. And now, here's the thing. That's a TV show. Yeah. And what we know is that that's beautiful. And that that heart-centered approach to parenting is what we're all aiming for. Right. And I, I, so I want to say that I'm not saying, oh, that never happens or that's not real because I think everybody, if we got out of our head and got in our heart, that's how we would feel about our kids, our stepchildren, our nieces, our nephews, everybody, right? right. Yep. But the big but is we've talked about on this show probably a couple months ago about how being a step parent is a very, very different thing. Right. That when you take on the role of being a step parent, it's not all perfect, right away. And it's not the same as your biological children. Now, when I say that, I don't mean you can't love your stepchildren or that you can't love them in, in a different way just as much. What I'm saying is it's a different relationship to, to negotiate, is that it takes time and it takes getting to know each other. Like, you know, I think about when I first had my babies and even having a baby and knowing that it, it was mine and that I was responsible for taking care of it and I had the, the primitive demands, you know, like I'm going to take care of this child, I still had to get to know that baby to fall in love with that baby. That's part of the process of falling in love. Well, and I think it's even more challenging for the father because you have a physical connection. Right. This baby came from you, was feeding off you for nine months. I know, and I've said this a million times on the show, but uh, when our children were born, I didn't feel much of anything. I mean, I knew the way I was supposed to feel, but it took me a long time to fall in love with our kids. Right. And I was told by buddies, oh, you're going to go be crying and you're going to love this thing more than anything in the world the minute he or she shows up. And that simply wasn't true for me. And we have to understand that. And instead of thinking that it should be one way simply because now we have new titles in each other's lives, we have to allow a relationship to emerge just like it would in any other aspect of our lives. You know, we don't force friendships. We don't force, you know, dating someone or sometimes people do. But the, we have to let a kind of grace take over where we get to know each other and we create, allow for some space and have some failures and some missteps. And then that's how we create a relationship. And I think that, again, this is a 30-minute TV show. The whole essence of the show was to teach lessons and to bring some morals and values and virtues to the, you know, to the screen. So I'm not saying that that the Brady Bunch should have approached this. But what I'm saying is 
that's that scene is the heart of all of us, but the reality is that that takes time and that, of course, Carol loves Bobby and, you know, and I love that she says, you know, it, and, and, you know, he, when else do they comment on being stepchildren? I think, that's I think that the might only be the only one. Time. Yeah. Then they just magically turn into a family. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is that we just, you know, we just jump off from there. But for those of you who are in the midst of um, blending a family or maybe you're dating someone new because you've had a divorce or maybe you're introducing children to people who you care about, who you may have a relationship with or their children, walk very slowly and allow your children to have some ownership and some say and some what's the word I'm looking for um allow them to have a voice in how this relationship builds and continues because if you force relationships on them or tell them that they should like this person or if they cared about you they would care about this person all that kind of um putting that kind of responsibility on them they could end up resenting you for that. And you have to be open to the fact that these are human relationships and allowing them to have a say in how they progress. And if you do that, it's much more likely that you're going to find yourself in a Brady Bunch situation. Yeah. Maybe not exactly like TV. Do you want to hear a few fun facts? Please. Um, if you get bored, because I have a bunch of them, just tell me to... Just do like three, four, or five. Gene Hackman was the original choice to play Mike Brady. Wow. That'd you know what? I could see that. Yeah, I think he'd be good. Uh, the show was never a hit. Really? That's crazy. Uh, Schwartz, the Sherwood Schwartz, who's the creator, once considered killing off Mike Brady because Robert Reed and he did not get along. Oh really my well. gosh. I knew they didn't get along, but what was he going to kill him off? We've already had like two. S- they did that with Valerie. Remember Valerie's family? Yeah. And what's it? Well, who's the actress who played Valerie? Valerie. Uh, Valerie Harper? Valerie Harper. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're like, see ya, we're going to kill you off. And then they brought in Sandy Duncan. This is, yeah, <laughs> Sandy Duncan. <laughs> so this is um, kind of a sad one, so be prepared. Ooh. The dog called Tiger was killed in a car, Aww. killed by a car in season one of the show before the filming of episode five was complete. The replacement dog proved to be unworkable. Tiger's dog has remained on the set, but... You never saw the dog. Tiger. I didn't know that. What about Fluffy the cat? Where'd it go? Yeah, she's in there somewhere. Um, Mike Brady is a widower, but Carol is a widow. It's unclear. Producer Sherwood Schwartz wanted to make her a divorcee, but the network refused. Schwartz retaliated by never mentioning the girl's father on the show. Wow. So the first sentence you read, he's a widower, she's a widow. But is Carol a widow? That's the question mark. And the question is, well, they were the first couple to ever be in a bed together. Exactly. Do you know that? Yeah, I do. I Mm -hmm. do. Uh, In contrast with the wealthy and supportive Brady family, Florence Henderson, who played Carol, her real background was harsh. She grew up desperately poor, the youngest of 10 children of an alcoholic sharecropper. She attributes her professional success to her mother's determination that she could build a better life. Mm. Very good. Um, Big long one on Robert Reed. I won't read that one. And you ready for the trivia? Yes. I want to see how you do on the trivia, but first. Brady residence. Craig smoking. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. Those Craig weren't smoking. Those weren't together though. No, different ones. It sounds like Cindy's calling Alice to <laughs> yeah. tell her that Greg's smoking. You're off your rocker. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Here's my sister, the new Jan Brady. Hi there. 
That was with the wig, right? Well, you know something that I, when I was thinking about these episodes, the only two kids who had a significant identity crisis were guests. Guess who they were? The middle ones? Yes. Jan, because she needed the black wig to be the new Jan Brady. The new Jan Brady. And she had all the Marcia stuff. And she had the locket stuff. What's the locket? With Alice. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she had the I don't want to look like Aunt Jenny. Yeah. Yeah, she she just had some issues with her identity. And then Peter, there were two things. Number one, Peter did the, you know, pork chops and applesauce. He wanted to be like, he wanted a new personality. Pork chops and applesauce. <laughs> that swell. He wanted to be Humphrey Bogart. Was he doing that because he wanted a new personality? Yeah, he was looking for okay. his new personality. <laughs> and then he also did the Cyrano thing where Greg had to feed him lines to that girl? Uh, I don't know. You're thinking of Roxanne with Steve Martin. No, he was in Brady Bunch too. And he and There's a time where Peter puts on the mustache and goes out as Peter's older brother or something, or Greg's older brother. Yes. You remember that one? But this one, you're going to remember this when I tell you. He's talking to his girl and saying things, and then Greg comes out of the tree, and the girl is like, oh my gosh, Greg, it's you. And she like is in love with Greg. Because she thinks Greg... It sounds vaguely familiar, but I cannot place it. It's an, It's like later. All right. You know what I mean? Remember, Dad, we're talking man to man now. Not, not kid to man, man to man, but man to man, man to man. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the famous one. Something suddenly came up. Something suddenly came up. Boy, you look groovy. Is he... I just love the transitions. And then... Uh, Adios, Johnny Bravo. <laughs> Suit didn't fit anymore. <laughs> All right. So in closing the Brady Bunch theme... I actually have one more thing. Why don't you have one more thing and then I'll give you the trivia. Got it. Go ahead. Okay. My last thing is the gender equality issue. Because Carol's a pretty strong lady. Mm-hmm. And they actually have a very equal... I mean... There's some things that are just up. Yeah, there's the time. some traditional stuff. Um, you know, I I know that, but she has just as much of a voice in that family as he does. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much on an equal playing field, um, and you know, she often has the the last word, or at least they both get to say how they feel about things. And um, it's almost it was almost more. Uh, go ahead. It was both. They, and there's two things. One is they did have some typical stereotypes and some examples are there was the famous trading stamps episode in which the girls wanted a sewing machine. I know, but that was about the girls and not about Carol. I know. And I'm talking about more male, female. Okay, versus, go ahead. Yeah. And the boys wanted a rowboat. But they got a TV. That's right. Good mm-hmm. memory. Thank you. Uh, there was the fact that Carol could do housework and Alice the maid could do housework, but Mike and the boys were per- perplexed by tasks such as laundry or ironing. Which is... Yeah. In contrast, there was an uh, an episode called The Liberation of Marsha Brady. And in this classic episode, Marsha speaks in favor of women's lib. I remember. And wants to join Greg's frontier scout troops. Oh, yeah. And then the boys retaliate by having Peter join the Sunflower Girls. I remember. And then uh, what's funny about that is um, the, the girls are fine with Peter joining. 
yeah. but the boys are not. Well, and do you remember the episode where the girls want their own clubhouse? Yes. And they then say, well, we're going to make our own clubhouse. And then they start, They there's almost like someone almost falls or something. Someone almost gets hurt. Yes. And Mike's like, okay, we're done with this. Enough of this. And so then the boys have to come over and fix the girls' clubhouse, which is a little outdated. But then Peter took all the nails out of his clubhouse yes. to yeah, use actually, them Actually, I think Bobby did Or that. Bobby did. Yes. And so then their clubhouse falls apart. And then they wanted to join in the girls' one because it was all yes. nice. Nice yes, it was pretty. All right, you ready for the trivia, sweetie? Sure. Let's see how many you get. I don't know how many we have Ooh, here. Oh, I mean, nervous. Who wanted to be called? Here, where's my, um, I got to do my drum roll. Where are you? You drum? should do Brady music, not a drum roll. Uh, who wanted to be called Scoop Brady? That would be Peter. Very good. What happened to Carol's first husband? We already talked about that. Yeah. What was the name of the cat Bobby rescued? That's a really hard one. Oh, I know. Uh, it was, was it Millicent's cat? No, that was Bobby's girl. Um, but it wasn't Fluffy because that was her cat from the wedding. Pika. You're close. Starts with a P. Pandora. Oh, I wouldn't have gotten it. Uh, in the Christmas episode, what song did Carol Brady sing in church? Um, Come All Ye Faithful. Very good. Thank Who's you. the only Brady that has brown eyes? Marsha. Nope. Uh, Peter. Or no, no, no. Greg. No. Oh, dang. I don't know. Peter. You're right. Oh, I was close. Okay. What color was Carol's wedding dress in the first episode? Pink or yellow? Yellow. Very yellow. good. Uh-huh. Uh, who said, Jan, if boys don't find you attractive, don't blame it on me. <laughs> Sounds like a Peter thing. <laughs> Marcia said that. Marcia. Ouch. Thanks a lot, Marcia. Yikes. What was the name of the column Scoop Brady wrote for the school paper? I don't know. The whole truth. Oh. Uh-huh. And what was the relationship of Oliver to Mike and Carol? His nephew, their nephew. Last but not least, how many people went on the honeymoon? Everybody, even the dog and the cat. Very good. Sweetie, I think you got most of them. So nice job. Gracias. I have not yet mentioned any of our amazing partners. Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Her website is chirotree.com. Check her out. Help uh, support us by supporting our partners. And our second partner is John J. Kelly Dentistry. Not your father's dentist. Uh, John does comprehensive dentistry uh, with children, adults, you name it. So give him a call or check him out at chicagodentistonline.com. So, do we want to move on over to my question, or do we want to go to Tony? Uh, I guess we'll do the question and then end with Tony. William is an eighth grader. This was sent in by one of our listeners, our amazing... William's an eighth grader, and he's a pretty well-adjusted kid. He's generally a homebody, preferring to read, play video games. He headed into sixth grade with a tight posse of boys that he'd grown up with, and they stayed pretty close throughout sixth grade. Um, To cut to the chase the kids started excluding him in certain things. Okay. Okay. My question is, is there something William and or I should, should or could be doing to encourage inclusion with this group? These are neighborhood kids that we see pretty frequently. And I think there's some relationships between the moms too. Uh, and two, the second question is, how can I push William in a direction of forming new friendships? He's 13, so he's too old for me to set up play dates. But I feel like he's not taking the reins to form new relationships. And he won't have a group as he completes middle school and heads into high school. She says kids at this age are forming alliances and it's harder to break into new groups as you get older. I want to help guide him. 
Okay. What do you think? Well, there's a few things. I really want to, and I and I get this. This is from mom, right? This is a mom. I understand all the concerns. So please know when I say these things that I'm not trying to devalue your concerns because I hear them and I can feel them and I know that a lot of my feelings would be similar. But I want to point out all the stories that you've told yourself in that are said in this letter. Quick caveat. She does say in the last paragraph... Ultimately, this is currently affecting me more emotionally than it's affecting him right now. But big picture, I feel like there's something I should be doing. So she is kind of at least recognizing this is a kind of about her. So go ahead. Well, what? And you're exactly right. It is affecting you because you have a story in your head that children are forming alliances and that he needs a group to go into high school. You've also told yourself that somehow you are the one who's in charge of having him make friendships. Yep. You've also told yourself that you have to be doing something at all, that there's that this somehow involves you. And um, those are all I'm, – I'm pointing all those things out because this has nothing to do with you. The only thing it has to do with is how you support your son. It sounds to me – just from that very small thing that you said that it's hurting you more than it's hurting him, that he's probably all right. Mm -hmm. Now, is he enjoying being excluded? No, probably not. It probably sucks sometimes and maybe sometimes he's bored. And But do you want him to be friends with people who choose this path? And I, and I think her answer is going to be no, but how do I, I'm going to be You're playing her. devil's advocate, right. How do I help him make new friends? You don't. You just be his mom. Because you don't – I'm not saying that you can't create situations where – let me give an example of how you can support him. If he said, Mom, I met a new kid. Can I have him over after school for lunch? Of course. Yeah. Uh, for lunch. It's, yeah, that's school. Uh, that's summer. We're, in, we're back into the school year. Right. Can I have him over after school? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I support that. Um, Mom, there's this new club that I want to be involved in. Can you drive me to wherever the – you know, the meeting is. Yes, I will support you in that. You can support his choices that are allowing him to be more social in the ways that he's comfortable, but you cannot create the scenarios out of the blue for him because that is not his choice. I think I have another way of saying what you're trying okay, to say. Thank you. I think the hardest advice that I'm going to give to this lady is the best advice. And that is the more that she worries and tries to control it, the the less likely it is that this boy is going to end up getting new friends. Absolutely. And let me tell you something, losing a group of friends or having people push you away or shun you or decide you're not cool enough, it happens to the majority of the population. It's a very normal rite of passage. Not the alpha betas and revenge of the nerds, sweetie. Oh, but it does at the end. Remember, everybody decides they're more nerdy. I'm a nerd and I'm pretty proud of it. I'm pretty proud of it. And everybody walks down, even Betty Childs. Mm -hmm. She's decided she's a nerd. (laughs) Okay, so if that's not a big turnaround, and there is that quote that either Lewis or Gilbert says, I just want to say to the beautiful people, there's more of us than there are of you. There are of you. And then what happens at the end? The guy says, Alpha Betas, you can't have your house anymore. We're going to give it to the Trilams, correct? Yeah, the Trilams. So if you want, so I'm not saying your child is a Trilam, I'm saying that. That is a very typical situation where people or children or sometimes even adults can get pushed away by certain groups of people. And they that is a opportunity 
for them to decide what's most meaningful to them. Well, and I would say trust the universe. So, I just totally cut you off. Yeah, I'm sorry. let me Go finish ahead. my thought here. That is an opportunity for him to feel that pain, or maybe he's not feeling the pain. I can't tell from the letter, but experience what that feels like so he can recognize that is not something I would do to somebody mm-hmm. because I have felt the sting of that. And I, and when, and when he, I'm saying this to you, he's not necessarily going to communicate this to you in words, but there will be an inner choice then to make friendship choices more selectively. Mm-hmm. And that is something everybody needs to know how to do. Right. Oftentimes that learning experience though comes through pain. And as you've experienced, sometimes as the parent, we experience the pain more than our kids because we worry about what that will mean later on in life. You don't have to go anywhere but now. Don't think about high school right now. Don't think about what this is going to look like in two weeks. Just stay present for your child. If he detects that you are worried about him or that you don't think he is capable of moving beyond this, he might start he might start to buy into your belief system. Right. So you own the belief system that my child is capable, my child is open-minded, my child is compassionate and is in a learning experience right now and I trust with my support, not my worry, but my support, he will find his way. Kind of like Mike Brady. Yes. Carry the suitcase. Well, what I was going to say is that maybe the very best thing that ever happened to this boy's young life is that these boys decided to ostracize him. A- absolutely. I mean, you just don't know. So my universe, my my advice may sound kind of corny or whatever, but trust the universe that this is all happening the way it's supposed to happen. The other thing I'm going to say is it's not about being in a big group. If 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 any of us can find one or two good friends, now maybe this kid will find 45 good friends. That's wonderful. But it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. I actually just was working with a little girl this morning and she and I were having a conversation about friendships and she was so lovely. I said, uh, I said, do you have any uh, friends that you trust? And she said, she looked at me, she goes, I have one Mm. and I can tell her anything and she will always say me too, or I understand. Mm -hmm. Dudes, that's all you need. You don't need... That's more valuable than surfacey, superficial stuff with a group of boys or girls. I know society will tell you different, and I know that social networking will show you something else, but this is where you got to get out of your head about the storyline of the way life is supposed to look and get into your heart about what's really most important. You want your child to be who they are, and if they can find one good friend who you know says me too or i understand they are blessed mm-hmm. and they don't have to be in like just like Todd said they don't have to it's not about the numbers it's about them feeling content in their skin and guess who people want to spend time with people that are most like them people who are content in their skin mm. who do you want to be with do you want to be with the person who is you know, artificial. And again, sometimes in middle school, that can be an initial draw. Like this person seems confident, but kids learn pretty quick. That's a bunch of baloney. They're completely insecure. And you just want to pull from those people who seem so content in their skin. So you said that's a bunch of baloney. I would say that it's a bunch of malarkey. Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) He's been using that word everywhere. I love it. I don't even know what malarkey is. It's baloney. (laughs) Where does the word come from? Malarkey. I love it. It's a totally 
antiquated. I might have to start using that word. word. Malarkey. Well, bring remember, it back. Remember that part in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where, uh, what's the guy, the muscle guy? The one who's doing, <laughs> who's doing the album. He says that he's going to start calling everybody jabronis. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm just gonna start calling everybody. What does he mean? I don't know. It's mean? just like it's like bozo clown clown jabronis. Didn't they talk about that too? I don't remember. They they're gonna use the word bozo. Yeah, it's a very non-zen parenting uh, show called "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," <laughs> and it's really crass, but sometimes also very okay. Funny. So what, let's get their ne- their names again. There's Charlie. There's Charlie. D. Yeah, Sweet D. Sweet D. Dennis. Dennis. Why are we not coming up with him? Oh, it's, and then it, Danny DeVito, who's the, their dad, and the guy we can't think of—he's the creator of the show. He is. His name's—I um, want to say it's Vince, but that's not Rob right. McLarney. Yeah, that's his real name, though. But you got to look up his name. He's—he's he's going for gasps. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, There's Mac, Mac. Thank there you. it is. Okay, thank you. thank you. That show, just like Todd said, I haven't gotten through. I think I skipped season one. It got so dark, that show. Oh, my gosh. But there's a few episodes that I watch over and over. One of them is the – there's a few of them. There's the dance marathon. Yes. That one is hilarious. I think that's a season finale of like two or three. And then the one where um, Charlie puts on the stage production to yeah. uh, impress the waitress. The boy's soul. Um, all right, so let's get back to business here. Okay. Um, Tony Robbins. Can okay. We, can we transition over? Yes. I found a quick 60-second clip from yesterday's interview. Oh, Maybe that would be a good way to introduce it. Good way it. to start. All right, so this is Tony on a chair next to Oprah somewhere nice, probably out in California somewhere. And that's in her backyard under the oaks. Nice. It's beautiful. I know. So would you say suffering really is the greatest malady that we all have it as is. human beings? I would say the biggest drug yeah. is not alcohol, it's not heroin, all those things are out of control yeah. for a lot of people. It's problems. Because most of us are so afraid we're not enough. And if we're afraid we're not enough, our deeper fears... Wouldn't you say that's the core? That's, that's the, core. the core. We're all afraid we're not enough. I don't, I've met, you have the same yes. people I've met, right? At the core, there's a place where people feel they're not smart enough, young enough, old enough, rich enough, funny enough, something enough. And it's the worst feeling because yes. underneath that, our fear is then I won't be loved. And love is the oxygen of life. And so what I try to do is show people how to end the illusion of loss. Hi, YouTubers. There you go. That's just a quick tidbit of Tony. End the illusion of loss. But sometimes we feel loss. Well, and sometimes our mind creates loss before we've even lost anything. Mm-hmm. We're worried about what we don't understand. Um, you know, one a few things that Tony said yesterday that I found really valuable are, and, and these are pretty much the same thing, is how much talking we do versus practice and how easy it is to teach these kind of things, but so hard to apply. Mm-hmm. And I think... I I said, Todd, pause the show. I want to say something as soon as he said that. And that's what I want. That's what I hope this show can be is even though we're doing a lot of talking, obviously, you know, it's a podcast, so there's really only an opportunity to listen. It's not about the jargon and about having the right thing to say and about having the great quotes or, you know, loving the right books. It's about how much do you practice being a compassionate and caring person? How much do you practice taking care of yourself and honoring who you are versus tearing down who you are? How much do you practice 
standing back and allowing your kids to live their life with your love and support rather than diving in and thinking you're controlling their life. It's a practice. Right. You know? And so I think that Tony is a huge... Uh, representation of that. I think we keep saying Tony. Have we said Tony Robbins? Oh, I don't know. Okay. So Tony Robbins is, I don't know, a thought leader, a motivational expert, a... He doesn't like motivational experts. Strategic interventionist. He's uh-huh. got a million different quotes. But it, it's funny. Kathy and I went to see him last summer or two summers Last ago. summer. And I just got certified with uh, my coaching through his program. And I'm very proud to say that. And... I'll do give myself a personal plug. My new website is officially up. Oh, congrats. ToddAdamsCoaching.com. And I'm coaching guys. So for you ladies out there, sorry, this is not, in the words of Eddie Vedder, this is not for you. This, this is, is not for you. Um, this is for the guys. So guys, if you're looking, um, look at my uh, website, ToddAdamsCoaching.com. Um, I do have another clip from Tony if you want to hear it or sure. if you have other notes. I do, but go ahead, play right. the clips. This is called Tony Robbins' number one rule for becoming your most. So what is the number one rule you would offer someone to becoming their most authentic self? Because this is really what we're all looking for. How do I just be more of me? I think it's, uh, it's allowing yourself to be spontaneous uh, instead of responding to how you think you're supposed to be. Uh, we've all developed an identity, a sense of who we think we are and who we're not. You define yourself not only by who you think you are, but who you're not. And those definitions were usually made 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, and we rarely upgrade them unless we have a, an abrupt experience that makes yeah. us reevaluate our lives. And I think to consciously decide, who am I today? What do I stand for? What am I here for? What am I here to give? What am I here to learn? What am I here to grow? What am I here to enjoy? I think to me, and then to spontaneously try things, because I think the most important decision is saying, I'm gonna enjoy this moment right now. It's the only thing I have that's real and life's too short to suffer. And if I just keep doing that with each moment, things unfold in a way that's, as you know, beyond magnificent. All right, Mr. Tony. You know what I think about it when he says that is uh, ideology mm-hmm. versus presence. Some of us wake up and say, I have to be a certain person. I have to be the person my parents wanted me to be. I have to be a certain kind of spouse. I have to show up and look like a certain kind of mother or father. I have to appear a certain way. And they're completely disconnected from really what's going on. They're stuck in the ideology of this is who I'm supposed to be and this is how I'm supposed to come off. And what people don't understand is you can detect that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have you, you know, when you're talking with someone who is spouting a bunch of ideology at you or they look completely perfect and everything's manicured and perfect mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, yeah, there's a falseness to living just based on ideology. And there is a realness and a comfort in living in presence where some days are, I, I again, I just had a client this morning that I, we were talking about that some days are really great and things seem to be smooth and some days aren't and that's fine that's not a problem right that's not something that needs to be fixed it's just you roll with it you flow with it and the more you can allow that to be the less of a problem that day is going to be mm-hmm. the day becomes a problem when we think that the issues we're confronting shouldn't be there and i'm putting that in quotes and so we fight against the truth it's similar to what we talked about last week the give up control episode give up control because when 
something doesn't go the way you want it to, you can acknowledge it and be bummed about it and have your feelings. You know, it's also, we talk about on the show, the, that, that paradox of let it go, but at the same time, feel what you're feeling. You can feel it, but then you keep going, you mm. move forward, you, you allow, you, you acknowledge that it's okay that not every moment is exactly the way, again, listen to my words, you thought it was going to be. Because life is not a thought-based experience. It's a feeling experience. It's Your thoughts can be helpful. You don't want to completely diss your thoughts. They can really help guide you, but they have to be partnered with your heart. They have to be partnered with presence. Um, all true, sweetie. And I was going to say something, but I forgot what it was. Do you have any last-minute notes on the Tony thing before we move on? Yes, I do. Go ahead. Um Two things that you and I both found really wonderful, okay? Oh, by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. So this is from an interview on the OWN channel, which you probably get if you get cable. But if you don't, Oprah actually has an app on uh, on the phone that you can download. It's called an OWN app. And you can watch this interview from Tony and Shafali from last week on your phone just by downloading the app. I would highly recommend, and I don't think this will surprise any of you because we talk about... um, Super Soul Sunday a lot. But if you want to do like one good thing for yourself a week, on Sunday morning, tape Super Soul Sunday or watch it live and just get that like injection Mm -hmm. of optimism. Because basically it's thought leaders who are reminding us of what we already know. These are not new ideas. Really, when you look at everyone who's been on Super Soul Sunday over the last however many years, they're all saying the same thing, but they're focusing in a different way, like on a certain population or on their work experience or on their failures or on their successes and reminding us of what we already know. I always feel like when I'm watching Super Soul Sunday, I get back into the correct space. Um, even if it's not someone I can relate to personally, there's something in the story. You recenter. I recenter. I recalibrate. Mm-hmm. So do that for yourself. Right. You know that's very simple. So two of the quotes from yesterday that Todd and I enjoyed. The first one was actually from Tony's wife Sage, who's his partner in work and life, obviously. But she made the comment of, "We need to care less and we need to love more." Mm. And what she recognizes that caring is a worry-based experience a lot of the time. Like for the mom who mm-hmm. just wrote to us about her son. Yeah. She cares and so much about him because it's her son yeah. and she wants the best for him. And she, when she sees things happening that make her uncomfortable or make her think he's uncomfortable, she cares so much that she worries. But then the the realization is that worry doesn't help her or him. Mm-hmm. Even though your brain is created to think that the more you worry, the more you're protecting him, it's actually the, the opposite. opposite. So like, you know, we talked uh, about this question for like eight minutes, but really all we had to say was care less about your son's situation and love him more. Love him more. And, and what does that mean, love him more? Trust him. Yeah. Acknowledge that he has strength. Be his support system and his grounding agent rather than the person who makes him rethink his decisions. And that doesn't mean that, let's say this kid has a struggle and whatever, comes home sad from an experience he had at school that day. That that just means love him when he's in pain too. It doesn't mean if you love him, he's not going to have pain because as human beings, we all have that. It's a matter of making sure that you love him when... 
it hits the fan. Be present with where he is rather than jump ahead to next year or two weeks or even tomorrow and anticipate that you think he's going to be challenged because our kids feed off of our energy, just like they did when they were infants. And if we are worried about them under the guise of, I care about you, then they begin to worry that they're missing something. And all we need to do is be their, their, and and I use this word literally, their rock. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be the person that is like, I believe in you. I trust in you. And when they come home and they're crying, of course you, you know, you, you break, you know, you're with them. You, you take care of them through that moment, but that's not who they are. That's an emotional experience they're having. So actually, interestingly, Todd, last week, Shafali talked about this too, that how she's talking about the parent-child relationship and how parents will say, I do this for my kid because I love them. Um, and she said something similar, like, we'll love them less right. because you're hurting them by being so, uh, you know, overreaching and yep. overbearing and too concerned and too worried. You're actually hurting them. So love them less. And and it sounds really harsh. You know, people who don't understand the the basis of consciousness, it sounds harsh. Yeah. But really what she's saying is love them more by love them less. Exactly. Loving them Which less. Which is kind of a one, yet another paradox. It is. But I think hopefully you understand. And then the last one that you and I both went ding, ding, ding was Tony said – Oprah asked him, like, what's something that you've been that you've learned over all these years of doing these work with millions of people? Because he's worked with millions of people. Doesn't that sound crazy that he's worked with millions of people? It's the truth, yeah. It is, because he's been around for so long. Um, he said, I have recognized that I now have a willingness to not please people and instead I do what's right. And that he used to be such a people pleaser that he wanted them to feel good and maybe would not say the truth in an effort to not make a sting or not hurt them. And even though his intention would never be to hurt, sometimes you just have to say the truth. And that doesn't mean (laughs) this, you know, we talked about this, but going back to the fifth grade way of saying the truth, you don't just say, I'm going to dump a bunch of truth on you and leave. It's not about not being compassionate. It's about we have to have a willingness to speak about the elephant in the room. You know, there are sometimes we just have to, even if we, we can't tell someone else what their truth is. We can't say, this is what you believe. How do we know? But we have to have a willingness to say what we say, what we experience and what we feel. And maybe some people won't like that. Yeah. I've experienced plenty of that. I think we all have. Yeah. Um, All right. Closing out a few last minute things that we need to talk about. One is I want to do my FAMZU installment money tip of the week. Uh Oh, that word installment's coming back. Um, Have you ever heard of the rule of 72, my darling? No. So the rule of 72 is a math game that you play in your brain to figure out how long it will take to double your money okay so this is the way it works okay so let's say you're you have money invested in a stock and you get eight percent interest if you divide that eight percent by 72 Uh um what is the answer i don't know 72 divided by eight Nine. Very good. It'll take you nine years to double oh, your money. Okay, got it's it. It's just a quick rule of thumb. Do you, do you see how I space out when yes, you start to yeah, talk about numbers? Yeah, eyes gloss over. And then so I don't really hear the question. So it's just an interesting way of figuring out how long it's going to take for you to double your money. Cool. So if you so 
conversely, like let's say that it is a 9% interest rate uh-huh. instead of an eight, then it's eight less. So the higher the interest rate, the quicker you can double your money. Cool. So if you have it in a, you know, a 0.05% savings account, you're not going to double your money anytime soon. Right. Like the number will be really high. Right. So anyways, and then I also have uh, words of wisdom. From? One of our listeners shared this. It's from the new Harry Potter book. Did you read it? No, but Cameron read it in like a day. This is a quote directly from Harry in this new Harry Potter book, whatever it's called. Love blinds. We have both tried to give our sons not what they needed, but what we needed. We've been so busy trying to rewrite our own pasts, we've blighted their present. Uh, Hello. That might as well be like the Zen parenting thing. Exactly. So Harry, he knows what he's talking about. So was that a quote from Harry? It or says it... Harry, colon, then he talks about love blinds. So well, you know what ends up happening to his son, right? I didn't, I, I haven't seen any of the movies except for the first one. Oh, sweetie. So, but apparently Harry survives through the first six books. You think? I didn't know that. I know somebody died in the last one. Well, yeah. Don't tell me who. people did. No, like a main person, that girl or that little guy. Whatever. No, not one of them. Hermione or Ralph? No, Ron. Ron. They didn't. Hermione and Ron got oh, married. Oh, then who honey. died? Um, other people. Oh, I thought it was one of the big three. So no, it wasn't one of the big three. Okay. But what I will say is that um, Harry, my sister and I were talking about this because she read the book in one day too, <laughs> and it's shocking, right? Yeah. Um, and that Harry had a really traumatic childhood. You know what I mean? And he really doesn't know how to be a father. And what he should listen to Zen Parenting Radio. I know. Let's get, let's call Harry. Um, he is trying to heal himself and figure himself out while he's parenting, and is very disconnected from his own son. Boy, that sounds familiar to most of us. I know, and he can't see beyond what he needed. You're saying everything that we struggle with. I know. That's why these books, Todd, I'm telling you, if you would read the Harry Potter books or watch the movies, and we should just do a... Books are too long. They are so... The reason people fell in love with them is not because of, you know... Wizards and stuff. The school. It's not because of Hogwarts. It's because the messages are universal. The metaphors? The messages. Did I say metaphors? No, I'm pulling a Joseph Campbell on you. Oh, does he say there's that? A, I'm sure. I think what you're saying is there's a lot of metaphors and messages within the context of these that books. are so relatable, and but they're they're put in the context of a story where we can actually connect to them rather yeah. than think about them in an abstract form. Yeah. And Harry has to learn how to be himself and trust who he is on top of being a dad, and not impose all of his fears and concerns on his son. There you go. So everybody go out and get the new Harry Potter book. So um, we're going to cu- um, say one is our third partner is Jeremy Craft at Avid Company, Avid Company Painting and Remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, avidco.net. And we have a few announcements yes. to talk about. But first, I'm going to play some background music. Why? Just because I want to and we're not going to... Get away, get away. So sweetie, what is Soul Love Fest? This is what you got to hear, Bobby. Can't you dig it? Marsha? 
What's Soul Love Fest, sweetie? Okay, so Soul Love Fest, September 17th. It's a Saturday. It's this amazing event where there's going to be like all of these incredible teachers. Um, again, thought leaders, uh, yoga teachers, meditation teachers, um, j- anything in the uh, realm of health. And yep. Todd and I are going to be there um, speaking on Saturday morning. And you can go to our website, zenparentingradio.com, and click on events, and you'll see that Soul Love Fest is the first thing listed. If you decide to get a ticket, you can put Zen Love for 20% off. For 20% off. So use a coupon code. So our second is Screenagers, and I'm going to play this Brady Bunch song. I think I like Sunshine Day better. Can you see the movements? I can. All right, so Screenagers, September 26th. It's a documentary about uh, technology and how we can manage that with ourselves and our children. Um, Go to Zen Parenting Radio and click on events. Correct. uh, September 26th, it's 10 bucks a ticket. And we're selling them. We, yes, you have to get the tickets through us, even though it's uh, at York Theater. Zen Parenting is selling them. So, again, that's Monday, September 26th. All right. So the next event, we got a lot of events. Just three. Three events. Yes. Everybody's doing that. I'm staffing a new warrior training adventure on October 28th through 30th, and it's going to be amazing. If there's any men out there that want a big weekend with a bunch of other authentic men, go to a website, getyourweekend.com. This was not, I did not know you were saying that event. So actually we have four events. Uh, what's the one I'm missing? Doyers. August next week? You mean yeah, Tuesday? Yeah, our big announcement. Well, that that requires another um, Brady Punch song. Okay. Brady uh, Punch? Brady Bunch. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. Is it Silver Platters? What are you looking at? Which episode did they sing this? I don't know. Don't you know it's now never. You don't know the words? I, I remember the song, but I can't place the episode. It's All right. Uh, so next Tuesday, we have a big announcement. Yes. So next Tuesday, we are going to open up our registration for our big Zen Parenting Conference on February 24th and 25th of 2017. Obviously, we're going to announce our speakers, which we're super excited. And it the whole thing is beginning. So um, you're going to be hearing a lot about this conference because it's going to be big. It's going to be fun. And it's going to be fun and it's going to be warm and it's going to be inviting. And, and we want you to know that if you listen to this show, you belong there and that there is a space for you. So um, please stay tuned to or tune in next week. Yep. And you can get your ticket. And uh, yeah, we're going to also have some sponsorship information on the website as well. So if you have businesses and you might be interested in having a tabletop or something like that, um, that will also be available. There is a place for you. Um, so I think that's all we got. Okay. What are you going to end with? There you go. You know, 
what, sweetie? We've talked about the Brady Bunch at least two or three times over the last six years. I think we should do a Brady Bunch podcast. And it just doesn't get old. Lots of lessons. And it was never a hit. Weird Orama. All right. Uh, listen to that horn come in. I know, man. There it goes. All right. Um, good talk. You want to play um, our Zen parenting music? Sure, I guess. Just so people remember who we are. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you have a great week. That's right. See you next Tuesday. All righty. Adios. What's that? You have to roll with the punches. I know. Let's let's just let's just roll with it and accept that our theme song may not have worked, but we can move on. That's right. Adios. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, One of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZOO. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about the tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking.